The Read to Lead Podcast, Episode 10. Hi there, I'm Ken Siegel, author of the New York Times bestseller, Insanely Simple, The Obsession That Drives Apple's Success. And you're about to hear from the simplest guy I know, and I mean that in a good way. It's Jeff Brown and the Read to Lead Podcast. future is what you're going to make it. And if all you do is what you did yesterday, you can't advance. So you have to constantly push yourself to get to the next level. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now, here's Jeff. Welcome back to another episode of the Read to Lead podcast, a podcast dedicated to one of your passions, reading. That's why you're here after all, right? My goal is to help you develop a more intentional and consistent reading habit because I believe it's essential to your success in both business and in life. Now, we sit down with another successful and inspiring nonfiction author this week to discuss not only their latest book, but also their thoughts on leadership, personal development, career, business, entrepreneurship, and more. And in this episode, we'll be chatting with Dan Schauble, author of Promote Yourself, The New Rules for Career Success. Dan will help walk us through that fine line between gaining visibility and becoming a self-promotional jerk. But first, this episode is brought to you by the Road Trip Conference, a conference I am very excited about, just learned about it literally yesterday. Uh, it's a conference that, at, at its heart, is a group of crusaders using their skills and passions to formulate speeches, develop workshops that are going to impact and empower the lives and businesses of everybody who participates. Not only are there great speakers, but they're also excellent business leaders, life coaches, and career mentors and world changers. Now, this conference includes over 30 speakers, one of which is Chris Lacurto, co-host and keynote. Chris is formerly of the Dave Ramsey team and served as Dave's right-hand man for a number of years and was responsible for helping to develop the Entree Leadership series of events. And this conference's keynote speaker, author of 14 best-selling books, none other than Seth Godin. That's right, Seth Godin, along with Chris Lacurto, formerly of the Dave Ramsey team, and 28 other speakers. It's a conference happening in Cincinnati, Ohio, October 10th, 11th, and 12th. And I've got a great deal for you. Just for listening to this podcast, you can get $200 off your registration. All you need to do is this. Go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash roadtrip. That's a special URL set up just for you. Again, that's readtoleadpodcast.com slash roadtrip. And in the promo code section, enter my name to get your $200 off. Just put in Jeff Brown, all one word. Doesn't matter if it's lowercase, uppercase, just enter my name, Jeff Brown, for $200 off your registration to the Road Trip Conference happening in Cincinnati, Ohio, October 10th, 11th, and 12th, featuring Chris Lacurto and Seth Godin, among 28 other speakers. That URL one more time is readtoleadpodcast.com slash roadtrip. Don't forget to enter the promo code Jeff Brown. Dan Schauble is the managing partner of Millennial Branding, a Gen Y research and consulting firm. He's a columnist at both Times and Forbes, has been featured in over a thousand media outlets. Dan has also been named to the Inc. Magazine 30 Under 30 list back in 2010, the Forbes Magazine 30 Under 30 list last year. He's the author of the number one international best selling book, Me 2.0. 
Four Steps to Building Your Future, a book I highly recommend. It's now in 13 languages. His second book, and the one we're going to spend much of our time on today, is called Promote Yourself, The New Rules for Career Success, and is being released the day this interview is being published, Tuesday, September 3rd, 2013. Dan, welcome so much to the Read to Lead podcast. So happy to be here, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Well, at first glance, some might hear or read the title of your new book and think, gee, that sounds a little narcissistic. After all, that's what millennials are often accused of being, right? But I, I liken the spirit of it to one of my favorite Seth Godin quotes, where, where he says, instead of waiting to be picked, pick yourself. Instead of waiting to be promoted, be intentional and deliberate about those things that can help you promote yourself. Is, is that an accurate comparison in your mind? I think you've nailed the entire book message. It's, you know, it's all about not, you know, not relying on anyone or anything, being, being accountable for your career and taking charge of your life. You know, the, the future is what you're going to make it. And if all you do is what you did yesterday, you can't advance. So you have to constantly push yourself to get to the next level, expand your role at work, forge new connections. Things are just not going to be given to you, uh, especially now. I mean, people have to you know, have an entrepreneurial mindset when they, when they look at their careers. They have to you know, look at it's not just it's not the information economy anymore. It's the social economy, who you're connected to, you know, what information, what value can they bring to the table, how can you support other people. All these conversations are just so significant now when you know, there's no linear career path, you know. Your company could be acquired tomorrow. A college degree doesn't just turn into a job. Internships don't just turn into jobs. And most people do not work at one company for life and retire anymore. And millennials believe that there's no Social Security in the future either. Dan, who did you write Promote Yourself for? And how does it differ from your last book, Me 2.0? It's a great question. So for the first book, I just graduated college. And so I, was, uh, I started writing when I was about 23 to 24. And it was for students who were looking to get jobs when they graduated because, you know, it took me, uh, even with the eight internships, seven leadership positions on campus, great grades in my own company, it still took me eight months meeting 15 people for three different jobs to, to work at the company I wanted to, EMC. So I wanted people to learn from, from everything that I had experienced and how I was able to create the first social media position at EMC based on the online brand that I created outside. So it was twofold. It's, it's uh, you know, a job search book for young professionals, and it's the first book on how to use social networking for career success back in 2009. Um, and then this, this book is, okay, now you have your job, how do you get ahead based on all this new research I did with, in partnership with American Express and based on uh, not only living it, but interviewing you know, over 75 different people from millennials to their managers to executives at the most prestigious companies in the world. Really, when I was going into this book, I was like writing one book, uh, like what is every, what does people need to know about the workplace? Like how do you get ahead now? Things have changed so much. Like what are managers looking for when promoting? And they're really looking for soft skills, you know, the ability to, you know, manage different projects, the ability to communicate effectively, the ability to, you know, be a part of a team because we're all in teams in the workplace now. So it's just really about uncovering what matters now and what people can learn from that and how people can position themselves for success and really stand out. Um, and so like what you were saying earlier, you know, this is not about bragging. I even make a point of that in the book. You know, it's about pushing yourself forward, not, not just being static and standing still. You know, it's about what's the next thing, getting ahead, you know, 
And that I think is so important because we live in the age of personal accountability. You can't just get by by, by doing the bare minimum anymore. And there was a quote in the book <laughs> by an executive at um, HBO, and he said, you can't get by by doing the bare minimum unless you work for your parents. <laughs> 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 so Which it's is a, true. So it's a book, and not only for millennials, uh, uh, but also for uh, those in the workforce who want to better understand them too, right? And I think it's so interesting because the last book, it was written for millennials again, but all the generations are looking to not just learn a, a, about millennials and how to manage them and how to work with them and communicate with them, but learn about how, what they're doing to become more successful too. And I think it's really fascinating because they're perceived, I mean, even for my first job, I was perceived as being tech savvy just because I was young. And so I was, I was put in a new position to do online marketing instead of product marketing. And so I just think that you know, all the generations just feel like they can learn a lot from millennials, even though most probably wouldn't admit that. <laughs> now, you touched on this a little bit. If you would, I'd like you to share your thoughts on the state of today's job market and what it means, particularly for millennials. Ooh, I love this question. So I'm really big on the future of work. And so there's a lot of different trends. One is the rise of freelance nations. So you know, there's going to be more freelancers than employees by 2020. Millennials are going to be 75 percent of the workplace by 2025. So those are those are two of the the high level trends. You know, there's obviously globalization. You know, you're competing not just uh, the not just with the people around you, but people all over the world for the same positions. And companies are looking to hire the best person at the lowest possible cost. And if that's not you, you'll get passed over. Um, you know, it's an incredibly not only competitive job market, but you know. It, it's very, very volatile. You just don't know what's going to happen. I had there's just so many stories of people who start jobs and then they get laid off before they're even prepared for it. And so this is just this is really what's happening, and it's really um, up to the individual to make things happen uh, more and more. Uh, and then you know when people graduate from college now, there's no guarantee they'll get a job, and a lot of them don't. There's 50 percent of millennials that are either unemployed or underemployed, which means they're working at jobs that are just you know, do not, don't align to the skills and, and everything they've learned in college. So it, they have that issue, and then they have all the student loans that they have to pay off. So there's just a huge issue. The whole system's broken. Uh, puts a lot more pressure on people. People have to work much harder. I know a lot of people who work seven days a week when typically someone work the typical 40 hours a week. Uh, the Internet's really changed a lot of things, too. So... The internet is the new global talent pool. That's where a lot of people are building their careers now. What the internet says about you as well as what you put online will impact how you're perceived in the workplace. It uh, could help you get a job. It could help you advance in a job, or it could go against you if there's negative things written about you online. It's your job to really take ownership of it and do something about it as, as quick as possible. And the sooner you start, the better off you'll be. If you start you know, early in life, You'll be able to really position yourself for a lot of opportunities later in life. So, you know, what all of this comes down to is the main message. You got to be accountable. You got to make things happen. Um, and you got to realize all of this is going on because, you know, it's, it's going to make things more challenging for you. But if you understand the landscape and you understand all the tools and resources available to you, you, you can compete better. So I think, that, I think that message is really important for people to understand. And part of this issue, correct me if I'm wrong, with, with students coming out of school feeling ill-prepared is, is uh, schools not being able to keep up with the speed with which society and the workforce is evolving. Is that accurate? That's, the, that's one of the hardest parts in society today is, 
it's so easy to lose relevancy because things are changing so fast. I'll give you a quick example. You know, I always start off the day and I read through, I skim through about a thousand feeds and then I narrow it down into the articles that are most relevant to what I'm doing. And then I share a few of the articles that I think are the most valuable. And that's how I learn. That's how I develop. That's how I sound smart in meetings. That's what I build into presentations. It kind of activates the rest of the day for me. Um, but it's getting to a point where I have a backlog now of 3,000 feeds and it's, it's getting extremely hard to have the amount of time to you know, skim through all those articles anymore. So it's becoming harder and harder to stay relevant. And, you know, things are just changing. Think of all the new technology. You know, if you look, there was an article in the Boston Globe um, that showed that, you know, there's, there, Google's developing cars that drive themselves. I mean, who knows? That's going disrupt, to disrupt industries too, like even parking garages. So mm. it's just a really, really interesting, you know, world. And if you don't stay on top of it, it's, it makes it, more challenging to take advantage of opportunities and to stay relevant to the marketplace. And the opposite of relevant is irrelevant, which typically means you could be replaced by someone else who's keeping up with what's going on. Well, some companies are already starting to, I know, change their way of doing things to make their organizations more millennial friendly. Can you share a bit about what that looks like in, in the real world? It's a really great question. I would, one of them, one of the new ones that I really like is Intel's DOT program, so Development Opportunity Tool, and it's an internal job board, but it's only of small projects that uh, you know people would work on for a short period of time. And let's say you're in marketing a company, but you're interested in PR, and there's a small project in the PR group that's you know they're working on some press release for some product enhancement, let's say, and they need an extra resource to make it, you know, to to get it done quicker because the launch is coming up soon. Uh, and you apply for it and you do it, then you're, you know, if you do that extra work and, and you're really getting involved in that, that other group, uh, but while maintaining, you know, your current job, then you're expanding your horizons, you're building your network. It really does wonders for you, especially if eventually you want to move into PR, you'll have those resources and those connections already set for you. So that, that you know, it benefits the company and it benefits the individual. Every single case study that I have, it always comes down to a two-way street. And any time that, you know, managers get frustrated or they, they think of these programs as being selfish, you know, you got to backtrack and look at them as, you know, this is, these are good for everyone. You know, uh, another one is Aetna. Aetna lets every employee work from home as long as they prove themselves in their current job. And it usually takes about six months at least. Uh, and this is good for everyone. It's not just good for millennials who love freedom and flexibility, working from home and, and whatnot. You know, who doesn't want freedom and flexibility? That's what I'm starting to ask myself is like all these programs that, you know, internal job boards, like this is great for companies and good for everyone because, of course, jobs should go to the current employees first before you try and hire externally. I mean, all of these programs that I discuss, you know, into entrepreneurship programs, being able to take on projects outside of, uh, outside of your job description, you know, that more and more companies are doing, this is good for everyone. <laughs> you know, why we tend to some millennials or why do we think like, oh, we have to, you know, do special things for them, do special programs for them. I mean, it has to be looked on as something beneficial for everyone because it is. You talked a little bit about the, the state of uh, the current job market. One stat that was really eye-opening to me was from the American Society of Training and Development that said uh, by 2015, just a year and a half from now, three-fifths or 60% of new jobs are going to require skills that only 20% of the population currently has. Uh, can you talk a bit about the importance of being more than just your job description at work? 
it, this is where it, get, it gets really tough because you have to do your job, but also be on the lookout for other opportunities you and your company could take advantage of and constantly developing, develop skills that are not only important to your job today, but your job in five years from now, in 10 years from now, and, or in the job you want to have at that point too. So you always have to be looking down the road because if you're not, if all you're doing is what you're doing yesterday, what you did yesterday, how are you supposed to get ahead? You know, managers typically promote people who are already kind of doing their job because then that transition is much easier. So you have to start to assume those type of roles before you actually get those roles because companies are so risk-averse. And that's part of what's going on in the economy, too. Companies are slow to hire. There was an article in the New York Times, companies are waiting for the perfect candidate. You know, and, and, and companies are much more results-focused, too. So being able to measure the success of what you're doing is becoming more and more important. You know, not just working on a campaign, but measuring, you know, how many views you got or how many you know, customers you got, all of that is just becoming so important for justifying why you should have your role at your company and why you should, you know, get a promotion or a salary increase. So just being able to justify things is just, you know, as people are, are you know, forced to uh, show outcomes, it's going to become more and more significant for career success. You write that, that hard skills are, are kind of a dime a dozen and only the beginning and have to be complemented with with soft skills. You referenced soft skills a moment ago. Can you define for us what those are and, and why they're so critical? Soft skills are as simple as having a positive attitude, you know, being able to communicate and build relationships with other people, being able to prioritize tasks, um, being able to resolve conflicts. You know, these, are, these are skills that have to be developed and they're, they're, they're not tangible. It's not like you know, being able to build a computer program or, you know, doing accounting, you know, they're soft, right? Mm. And so you need to be able to put yourself in a lot of social situations at work, even outside of work, you know, get feedback from people and develop yourself, you know, read books, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot of training courses free and, and uh, there's, there's books, there's, you know, in-person training, there's so many different ways to learn these type of skills and, and you really have to learn them because, they're going to help you regardless of industry, profession, company size. None of that really matters. It's, it really comes down to those soft skills because at the end of the day, when two people can both create the same program or you know, do accounting, what's going to separate them? You know, they're likable. They're, they love what they do. They're excited about it. They, people want to work with them. They're good team players. All of that is just so important, and it can't be overlooked. Well, obviously, social media plays a big role in all of this from both sides. What are some important do's and don'ts you have for the employer side and the employee side? Yeah, one of the things we found is managers do not want to be friends with <laughs> their um, employees on Facebook, and not that many want to even do it on LinkedIn. So, really, having setting perimeters, being smart about who you add is is important. Like, you know, if you have a personal relationship with your manager, you talk about sports with them, and they really know a lot of your life anyways, then if you add them, it's not as big of a deal. But if you have a very, very professional relationship with them and, and you don't want them to see, you know, things you post online, then you got to be more careful about it. Um, and then, you know, if you want to start a blog and kind of build your professional presence online, you know, it does help to, to talk to your manager beforehand because it's all public anyways. So you don't want any surprises to happen. Like when I was, building personalbrandingblog.com, you know, when I had a full-time job, they knew about it. I wasn't hiding it. It was there. Because otherwise, they could just Google my name. And because, 
you know, over half of managers will Google you and, and uh, it's probably like 100% to be honest. <laughs> I don't even believe in that research. People just always search for other people online, coworkers, bosses, you name it, dates. And so, it, you know, based on what they find about you, that could influence how they perceive you and, and judge you and uh, treat you. So you want to put your best foot forward. You, want, you don't want any surprises. You want to be straightforward with them in the beginning and open, open and honest and, and know the perimeters of what you can and can't say. Of course, you want to include a disclaimer too, and the views represent you, you and, and not your company. That's always important. Um, and yeah, and you can use it to your advantage too. You can promote your company's work. You can support other bloggers who blog your company. There's a lot of different things you can do once you put yourself out there, but you want to be careful at the same time because you don't want to jeopardize your job. Now, there's a fine line between effectively gaining visibility and being seen as what you uh, term in the book uh, as a self-promotional jerk. What are what are some tips for walking that fine line effectively, in your opinion? Number one is sharing credit. Um, you know, if you're getting a presentation, you want to mention the names of other people that worked on the project with mm-hmm. you because, again, if you're at work, you're always working on a team and you want to be a team player. You want you want everyone on the team to succeed. Even if you're the leader or the project manager, everyone else has to kind of have a say and feel very involved and engaged in the in the project. Um, so sharing credit, I would say, you know, another thing that you should do is let your work speak for itself. So do such an excellent job and then, you know, show your management and then they'll want to talk about you to other people. Mm-hmm. That's number two. And I would say number three is, is frankly, um, you know, come up with, come up with, you know, new solutions to old problems or new problems and really um, kind of showcase how you've, you know, done research on it and present new ideas. And, you know, as long as, you know, mentally that you, you're focused on helping the company and not just being selfish and, and you're figuring out new ways to kind of support your company, then people will pay attention to that and they'll start talking about you and they'll end up doing the promoting on your behalf because what other people say about you is more impactful than what you say about yourself, especially if they're respected by the organization. Uh, referencing Seth Godin again, it, it kind of comes down to being a linchpin, basically. Yeah, like I say in the book that, and I said even in the last book too, you need to become a subject matter expert, become mm. so knowledgeable in one area, so the company needs you. The co- you know, people will constantly like I, I, you know, I'd say I'm a good example of that because when I worked for the company, I was the only social media resource in the company. So, you know, w- regardless of the groups in Italy or it's like the security division of EMC, like they would email me asking for my help because I was that resource. I was the go-to expert, and that's how you create value being a specialist in one specific area. So if someone needs help in that area, they know that you're the person to call upon. You talk in, in one chapter in the book, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is here. Um, oh yeah, developing cross-generational relationships. Uh, how mm-hmm. important do you believe that uh, mentor-mentee relationships are to, to the at-work process? Is that something that should happen at work or should that be with somebody outside of your job somewhere else or a combination of the two? I would say a combination. I mean, you want to, you definitely want to have more than one and you want to, you want to find mentors who are doing what you want to do eventually, you know, who have been there and done that because then they can walk you through the steps that they took in order, in order to get to that position right now. And you can just mimic that. It's already been done for you. The roadmap has, has somewhat been set. Obviously it might not work perfectly for you, but the general roadmap would be, 
would be there for you and you could you could kind of mimic it and and they would be there to support you but it's a two-way street mentoring that's what so most people have wrong a lot of people will reach out randomly you know to me and to a lot of my peers and they'll say you know can you mentor me and you know that just doesn't work you know i mean you know people want to mentor people who've already taken initiative or work really hard and who also have some value to offer to a mentor. It should be a two-way street. That's why I think reverse mentoring is so powerful in organizations because you have young people who just get into company and they understand technology and new ways of doing business and they can be paired up with these older executives that can give them career advice in exchange for learning about these new tools. So it's a a two-way street and we can't forget that. You talked about your own experience building your own business while on the job and one important aspect being to make sure that they knew what you were doing. Is there any other advice you would add to that for someone who is starting their own business while working for someone else? Yeah. If you eventually want to just do your business full time, don't rush into it. Wait until you feel mature enough. You feel like you can make enough money to survive and then do it. So there's really no rush. Um, You know, I could have left a year before, but I wasn't ready to, and you have to you have to really know yourself and what you're capable of and what your situation is and what you can handle before you before you do that. I would also say that you really have to figure out let, you have to not let it. You don't want it to distract you from your day job because the worst thing that could happen is you get fired because then that looks bad. So it's really important to find that type of balance. It's going to get harder as you get more and more involved with your business outside of work, but you just have to either do your best, sacrifice nights and weekends like I did. Um, and then just try and focus as much on your, your day job and try and leverage those type of resources. Um, because you never know. Like for me, when I left EMC, I took them as a client. So, I mean, if you, as long as you keep doing a good job for that company, new opportunities can be created. Well, before we move on to some other questions unrelated to the book, Dan, um, I want to give you a chance to add anything else about it here. Uh, I know you go on to write about building your network at work and beyond and, and turning your passion into a new position. Anything else you want to add before we leave that and move on to other things? Yeah. And that, so I think one of the, in the things that I tell people in Chapter 11 is you know, starting your own business on the job, you know, mastering your current position and everything that entails, and then seeing a new opportunity, some, an opportunity your company's not taking advantage of or something that can be improved and you know that it can be improved. And then do research on that, create a presentation that has you know, what the issue is, what the opportunity is, what the benefits to the company are, um, how you can help and, or how you think you can solve that issue, and what the market opportunity is. That, that can help too. Like if it's a $20 billion opportunity, you know, you'd obviously want to add that and add any sources and commentary from industry experts and, and research, research that you find online, uh, like research reports. And then you want to show that to your manager, get other people in the group involved, and then that could turn into something bigger. could be turning into this major side project, which could become maybe a new division of your company. So taking risks is, is the best way to go about developing your career because if you don't take risks, then it's very hard to kind of break out and, and really build a strong career because, um, because risk can really pay off and really, you know, it can make you one of one. You know, imagine two resumes. One is you know, manage such and such project. Whereas the other resume says, you know, created a, a whole new division for the company or created a new product line. I mean, that's, that's life-changing. That, you, you can't, I mean, very few people have that on their resume and you can really distinguish yourself by taking on an entrepreneur, entrepreneurial type project. Well, we talked a little bit about the uh, speed with which everything is moving today and you're obviously a guy who, who is able to effectively keep a lot of plates spinning. 
what is what is that one tool or something you probably use every day that you absolutely can't live without? Maybe it's a piece of hardware, software, or an app, or maybe something a little more old-fashioned even. Yeah, I would say I'm pretty old-fashioned with mm-hmm. tools. I mean, I'm, so, I'm bombarded with so many tools that I just end up going back to basics. And it's my calendar, to be honest. My mm. calendar keeps me on track for everything. You know, it's like my digital assistant. And and uh, without it, I think I would be lost because it's literally, especially this month and next month, it's just so insane that mm. that it really allows me to kind of plan ahead and work on the right projects at the right time. Again, prioritizing work is so important. So it's been, it's very helpful and it's basic, but it gets the job done and that's what counts. And you gotta you got to use the right tools that really fit your... Uh, you know, lifestyle and, and what you're looking to do. Well, I define uh, leadership, Dan, as, as influence. And uh, through what you do, you're obviously influencing a lot of people. What would you say is the single most important leadership lesson that you've ever had the opportunity to learn? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's that you can't please everyone, mm. you know, and if you try and please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. And, and so it's really important to just kind of stick to your guns and if you really believe in something, you got to find the right people who also believe in that. Because if you if you're just you know hiring someone or working with someone that's just there to be there, money, uh, it's just not going to cut it. And there's always going to be someone out there who's willing to not only make money or be part of your world, but also you know understands your vision and wants to be part of it. And those are the people you want to hold on to and lead. Well, I know you're a guy who values reading and the role that it can play in your success, and that's what this podcast is all about. Uh, name for us a couple of books from the recent past that have uh, made the greatest impression on you and, and why. I would say one of them is Susan Cain's Quiet, which is extremely popular. She's amazing. But um, you know, that, that book has a huge impact on people like me because you know I'm an introvert and you know, I'm looking for new ways to understand you know, the role of introverts in society. And, you know, by reading that book, I really, you have a better sense of, you know, how how introverts can also be successful, even though, you know, people who are, you would, you you usually think that extroverts would be more successful because they're more outgoing, they can easily, like, develop relationships and whatnot, but actually introverts are extremely successful too. And, you know, so it's, it's always good to hear that type of information then, you know, I would say an old book, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Mm. I think that still sticks with me and, and something that, you know, has made a, a huge influence in my life. And and uh, a lot of that type of information is, is still valuable even to this day. Well, Dan, before we wrap up, uh, remind us again where we can find you online, your website, uh, Twitter, uh, and, and share about maybe any new projects coming up that you want others to know about. Obviously, the book coming out the day this interview is being released, but Anything else that might be going on, let us know what's on the horizon. Sure. Yeah, so the, the new book is called Promote Yourself, The New Rules for Career Success. And you can find it on danshabel, S-C-H-A-W-B-E-L.com slash promote dash yourself or on Amazon or barnesandnobles.com. And, you know, I'm on Twitter at, at danshabel and facebook.com slash danshabel. You can just basically Google me. There's not too many other Dan Shaw Bells out there, <laughs> thankfully. Um, so I really appreciate you having me on, and and uh, we have a lot to look forward to. I'm doing a lot with uh, career services in the future. I want to really impact college students. I'm also going to be examining Gen Z more, so that's the following generation after millennials. 
been a lot of interest in that, more global trends, more employment trends, you know, more of the same, but expanded. And it's going to be really interesting where all this heads, you know, because as much as I'm proactive, I'm also reactive because things are constantly changing and I have to adapt as things change. And that, that could be daily, that could be hourly. Well, I'm thrilled to, to finally be able to have a conversation with you. I've been following your blog since before the first book came out. I think it was in 2007 or 2008, I believe it was. And I've just learned so much from you. So, so thank you for giving of your time and sharing your knowledge with us on the Read Lead podcast today. We really appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate it as well. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you'll let Dan know. You can do that uh, via Twitter. He mentioned his Twitter handle a moment ago. It's at Dan Schauble. That's D-A-N. S-C-H-A-W-B-E-L, at Dan Schauble, on Twitter to let Dan know what you thought of today's episode. He would appreciate it, and so would I. To comment on this episode, go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash 010 for episode 10. There you'll find everything we discussed today, including links to any resources talked about as well. To comment, scroll down to the bottom and leave your comment, question, or whatever you'd like to say about today's episode. I want to thank again today's sponsor, the Road Trip Conference. You can save $200 off the registration with promo code Jeff Brown. It's the first time my name's ever amounted to anything. Just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash roadtrip and enter my name, Jeff Brown, as your promo code for $200 off this conference featuring Chris Lacurto and Seth Godin, among others. If you have a chance to rate and review the podcast in iTunes, it would mean a lot. You can do that by going to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. We've had several leave five-star reviews this past week, including Super Leader You, also Dina or Deanna Gillingham, or as they say across the pond, Gillingham. Also Paul Vandermill, who I think leaves a new uh, review just about every week. I'm on to you, Paul. I'm on to you, but thank you for making sure they're all five-star reviews. I do appreciate that. And also, Wise Bold Reviews with a five-star review. When you leave a five-star review, I'll give you a shout-out, too. Again, just go to readtoleadpodcast.com slash iTunes. Well, next time on the show, we welcome in Eric J. Fisher, co-author of the book Beyond the To-Do List, Volume 1, Goals, a step-by-step process to making and meeting the goals that matter. Thanks for listening today. I really appreciate it. I hope to see you next time on the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com and chat with other members at facebook.com slash readtoleadnation. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Read to Lead.